Hello and welcome to another MLEX podcast. I'm Sam Wilkin, Brussels News Editor, and today we're going to talk about the Capital Markets Union. First proposed by European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker four years ago, the union aims to create a borderless market for companies to tap investors for money, in theory making European finance much more efficient. The financial services industry was enthusiastic at first, but it's hard to find much excitement now. What went wrong and how could it be brought back to life? Here to explain it all is John Rieger, our financial services reporter here in Brussels. Hello, John. Hello. John, start us off with just uh, an explanation of what exactly the Capital Markets Union is and, and what's inside it. It's a big name, isn't it? It's a grand name for a commission that had uh, ambitions to be big on big things and small on small things. This is more like a big name for a lot of small things. It really was a grab bag of um, scattershot measures, usually small bore tweaks to existing rules, such as uh, for prospectuses, the, the documents that you produce for securities offerings, to you know streamline some of these things, to, to try to revive securitization, which was the uh, you know the much uh, discredited uh, form of structured finance um, that helped to give rise to the last financial crisis. So uh, a lot of small measures like this uh, captured under sort of a, a big overarching banner. And yeah, you're absolutely right. It sounds like a big thing. It's it's very similar language to, for example, the customs union, which is creating so much controversy around Brexit now, you know, the digital single market. It, even if the ambition is there, it's not achieved nearly as much as, as they perhaps set out. What what have they achieved so far? So far, it's been a very mixed bag, uh, to be honest. I think it's only three of the 13 original uh, proposals have actually made it into law. Now, not everything has to be done through legislation. And there are a lot of sensible ideas that could be done through implementing regulations, and those are being done, things like uh, capital requirements for when insurance companies invest in infrastructure. We're still talking about fairly small-bore changes, fairly hard to measure. By one measure uh, produced by the Association for Financial Markets in Europe, Europe is actually now even more dependent on banks for their financing than four years ago when this capital markets union was supposed to create new uh, means of funding for companies. And and just to go back to the, the founding or the, the first idea for this, was this a response in some way to the global financial crisis to try and improve resilience? Very much. In fact, uh, Europe bore a very heavy hit from the crisis, even with the origins of the original market turbulence coming from the U.S., because the economy here is so dependent on uh, the banking system for loans. So the policymakers, I think, very very naturally and, and very sensibly suggested making some changes to try to, to do more of what the U.S. has done in the, in the past few decades to make the financial markets another way for companies to fund themselves by tapping investors instead of depending on banks. Yeah. And, and what is it that's, that's holding it back? Uh, a mix of unexpectedly difficult politics in areas, uh, for example, securitization, where a lot of uh, lawmakers said, Let, let's hold up for a moment because we need to be extra careful with this, uh, with, you know, all this uh, structured finance stuff that got us into so much trouble. And some other measures uh, were dependent on or, or could be much improved by changes to tax laws and, and things like this, which are just considered politically too difficult because uh, they're still considered very much national issues rather than European policy. Mm. Well, tax has caused problems elsewhere recently, hasn't it, in terms of you know the, the tech tax that's been proposed. National government's very, very reluctant to give up their, um, their, their decision-making rights in that sphere to the EU. Without that capability at the EU level, how far can it go? How much success can it realistically have in this? 
the proponents would say that the CMU can, can do a fair bit on the regulatory side, even without addressing tax, because you can, um, if you make it easier for companies to come to market to raise money, they, they will do so even if necessary, you know, maybe uh, the, the investor base still has different tax country by country. The critics would say that some of the big supposed headline measures of the CMU, like creating a single personal pensions regime, will go absolutely nowhere without uh, a similar uh, tax regime to accompany it because every country has uh, likes to encourage retirement savings. They have a tax break for their own pensions, but they're you know very reluctant to give breaks to anyone else's pension. Yeah, pensions has been in the news a bit recently because of, there's a huge number of, sort of scams and a huge amount of fraud in pensions in the UK, at least. It's really been making headlines there. Is that something that could, in theory, be helped by some sort of EU-level regulation? The regulation will set minimum standards for how these products are uh, presented to the customers, but it will not do very much to harmonize necessarily the investments that go into them. So I have the feeling that uh, you know maybe it's a first step in what will be in this pan-European personal pension, uh, but I think a lot of a lot of the success of it will will come down to how how well the national authorities can guard against fraud and and uh, you know police the market and, and nail the fraudsters when they find them. Yeah. And um, just speaking of the UK as well, let's talk about Brexit a bit. Inevitably. Obviously. You can't have a podcast without mentioning Brexit. Um, Or a capital markets debate, for sure. Or a capital markets debate. I mean, you know, London, obviously the financial capital of of Europe. Will Britain leaving make it harder or or could it in fact make it easier by taking away such an obvious centre of gravity? You get the sense that it will make it harder to ha- to for the EU to come to agreement on these kind of measures when they lose the biggest advocate, because the UK certainly the biggest financial market by far, a big champion of this, and probably not a coincidence that it was uh, the British Commissioner Jonathan Hill at the time who was who was handed the role of trying to shepherd these policies uh, into law. With uh, without the UK or with the UK soon leaving, uh, Europe has tried to actually change how it's has pitched this to um, to the policymakers. It's now an argument that we need it more than ever for the remaining 27 countries because they're the ones who most need improvement in the capital markets, which actually is, is probably a sensible thing to do, but politically hard to sell. And so what's, you know, obviously Brexit coming in the next in the next few months, but apart, apart from that, what's next on the horizon, do you think? Well, now is the time when the European Commission is going to be taking stock of, uh, of what it's done. And the the current officials will be more or less preparing the table for the new political masters uh, who should be coming into office next year. So uh, the the officials in in Brussels will be writing their briefing papers, uh, preparing reviews of what's come before, and probably doing a lot to set the agenda for the next commission uh, starting next year. Do we have any indication yet on what that commission's priorities might be um, and whether it might pursue the, the capital markets union or not? Far too soon to say, based on the fact we, it, it's really hard to tell who will be leading the commission. It's uh, it's too early in the race to uh, to know who might be setting the tone from the top, as happened with uh, Jean-Claude Juncker, who set out the idea of the CMU even before he actually became president. But for sure, the Eurocrats in Brussels, uh, their briefing papers are being prepared. They have their economic arguments lined up for why Europe needs a capital markets union, and surely something from that agenda will carry forward. And what do you think might be the next sort of two or three concrete steps that, that might happen? What's at the top of that agenda? 
Well, if the commission, uh, if the next commission decides to be ambitious, they should probably have another look at uh, the tax policies, whether they could maybe come up with something harmonized, say, on the treatment of, of pensions or on uh, the treatment of withholding tax that investors pay when they get dividends or when they, when they sell shares. Those are two things that uh, the officials in the commission are working on. They're building an argument for if they can maybe find a political opening. So that, that is one of the possible areas they'll work. They also want to look at insolvency law, which is, it's hard to necessarily, um, it's, it's, it's hard to make the link from, you know, bankruptcy procedures to investing in capital markets. But actually, treatment of investors in, is just uh, inextricably linked with property rights. And it, it's been considered one of the areas that uh, uh, is politically difficult because property rights are deeply embedded in national law. But it's something that investors... Uh, if they're going to look across borders to buy bonds, to buy stocks, they, they want to know something about what happens if, if it all goes wrong. So that could be another area. And then in the meantime, there's supervision of the markets, which has advanced maybe a bit more than the areas of insolvency or tax because the EU does have uh, agencies for the various financial sectors, including the European Securities and Markets Authority. ESMA has some direct oversight powers in a few niche uh, industries, they could get more. It's been uh, a huge political fight uh, in the last few months, but it's an area where there is at least some precedent for the EU to, to centralise some power. OK, and I think that is all we've got time for today. We'll obviously be keeping an eye on these developments as they rumble on for the, the duration at least of the next commission, I'm sure. So let's say goodbye now to John. Goodbye. Thank you. And I will just remind everyone listening to please subscribe to our podcasts on your preferred platform if you want to hear more from our reporters around the world. I'm Sam Wilkin, MLEX's Brussels news editor. Bye for now. <laughs>